0: All right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Thirsty Thursday, number 33. Going to talk a little bit about Buddy Boss tonight. Uh, We're actually waiting for Bobby and hopefully Ben to be able to come on here in a little bit. Uh, Ben's just getting off of the back end of a 36-hour shift, and Bobby's just starting the beginning of a 36-hour shift. So uh, hopefully they'll be here in a little bit to get us started. But as always, cheers to everyone who's tuning in. Just want to say hello to everybody. And also want to throw out a, a few points of congratulations. Uh, our brother Jason Bloom and our sister Maria Burdan, they tied the knot last week or this past week in Hawaii. So congratulations to them and cheers to them, wishing them a long, healthy, happy, prosperous marriage. So, And also another quick shout out to brother Skip Carey. He actually sent me a very cool challenge coin Just got it in the mail today and his are on the way, but it's a uh, brothers in two worlds coin. Very, very cool. So we're part of a fraternal organization on two fronts and um, many of us in the fire service share this. Myself, Bobby, um, Skip, of course, Del Baker. I can go on and on and on. There's so many and uh, we're very proud to have them as, as part of all these fraternities and be brothers in all those worlds. So. Uh, tonight, as we start going out on a little bit and uh, see some people starting to chime in. Oh, there's my brother, Ben. See some people starting to chime in a little bit. Um, Sherry, good evening. Hey, Ben. How you doing, brother? Hey, buddy. Hang on some technical you, 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 look, you look pretty good for working the 36, man. Something like that. <laughs> anyway, I I just got it started. Um, uh, Just catch you up real quick. I threw out some congratulations to... Uh, jason bloom and maria berdan for tying the knot and a uh, little shout out to skip Carey. and i've already told folks that uh, you're coming off of a 36 and bobby's just starting a 36 so uh you know it's kind of a kind of an interesting dynamic because i remember when i worked there 36 were, were the taboo so uh you know good bad or indifferent i'm glad you survived through it and that you're here tonight so brother ben cheers cheers my friend all right so um Getting back to the topic at hand, we're going to talk a little bit about some Buddy the Boss. Um, And more people are starting to chime on now, so that's great to see. Uh, One of the big challenges I think we have in the fire service is because we are really a second family, sometimes those lines blur. And of course, when policy, procedure, human resources, all that stuff gets into the mix. that makes it even a little bit more difficult, but then also we have different responsibilities at different levels. So with that being said, uh, sometimes it's a little bit of a challenge, especially when these are people that you've essentially grown up with in the fire service. Uh, I know in my particular case, when I started out uh, in Ocean City, for example, I, I was the junior man of that department for nine years. And just that's where I fell in the history of hiring, hiring freezes, that type of thing. So, you know, you really kind of earned your bones, but at the same time, uh, once we started to reorganize and have a little bit different of a structure, I was fortunate enough to get promoted to lieutenant. Well, if you think about this in that respect, everybody was still senior to me, even though I've been on for you know, even as a part-timer for over a decade at that point, but now I'm the quote-unquote supervisor of people who raised me in the fire service these were the people who saw me come up and helped me along the way and corrected me so now all of a sudden i've got to give them guidance and try not tell them how to do their job by any means but be that resource for them um and that's a different challenge all on, on its own so to that end uh you know, I had a little bit different experience. It's not only the buddy, to boss thing where we were friends, uh, you know, inside and outside of the fire station, but also just the fact that it was almost a role reversal in some ways. So, um, yeah, I'll get a little bit more into that later on. But uh, Ben, from your perspective, uh, I know that you're kind of really in a weird dynamic in the fire service right now, because you, you've been in for a while. You've worked with us for a while in Ocean City. Um, in, in the part-time realm, you're, you're an officer and a step-up uh, chief officer in Salisbury, I, b- I believe still. And now you've gone full-time in Ocean City and coming back in as a probie and obviously being, uh, you know, playing the humble role. But how, you know, how is it for you uh, in all these different dynamics for in not only the volunteer fire service, but also, also the career fire service? And because you have some instructional background as well, Going from you might be a a probie today, but then you might be teaching a class to the people who are evaluating you later on, not for evaluation purposes, but for their general benefit. So uh, tell me about the slings and arrows of of your experience. I'm not good at lip reading. I can't hear you.
1: All right. How about that? Is that better?
0: That's much better.
1: Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah, bro. Trying to figure out some technology. That I didn't figure out. Um, so yeah, I think the th- I think one of the things that I'm that I struggle with is um, just making that um, making that transition and kind of always going back and forth between the different roles. Um, and it's one of those things that um, you know in Salisbury before our acting's or sergeants were. Promoted and it was like a full-time Thing um, They always like you could be Riding on a medic unit As um As as a firefighter paramedic That's an acting lieutenant and then Next thing you know like you're The engine officer so you go from You know the day half On the medic unit to the Officer on the engine at night and You know the person that you were just riding with you might have to write Up um, You know so I think it's you know, having those different hats, those different roles, it makes it more difficult. Um, but how you manage those is is more a function of your personality and, like, one, you have to make sure that you're doing the right thing, um, and making sure that you're taking one, take care of your people, um, and that you know you're consistent and you're fair. You know, you can't. Oh, Trevor's my buddy, so he can do no wrong. Um, so you gotta, like I said, take care of your people and, and you know, Trevor and I. You know, as a as a his he him as a former supervisor, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, I didn't want to make him be a be a captain, be a battalion chief to me. You know, don't put your your friends and your supervisors in that position. You know, working with Bobby on the same shift um, as and he's a lieutenant for us. um, You know, it's my goal to never have to make him be Lieutenant McGee to me. Um, And I think that's important is, you know, know your roles, take care of your people um, and and don't put them in positions where like they have to make a decision and have to, they have to use their, their hardware.
0: And Ben, I, I've got to agree with you wholeheartedly on that. And I think it comes down to mutual respect because Mm -hmm. there's no one who sprinkles any fairy dust on your helmet or on your front piece when you get promoted to Lieutenant captain, chief officer, whatever denomination. And, with that I mean you're still trying to find your way too and you need you yeah. need that support from the people that you're working with and you know I found that out as well because you know having been in that position where an extremely close friend of mine uh that I was working with one day I mean you very very close you know, kind of had a, a rectal cranial inversion um had his head up his ass on something and it was one of those no doubt I've got to step in and do my job I can't not do my job, mm-hmm. and So, you know, did it appropriately, but at the same time, it was one of those things where you know he put me in that bad position. But that's my job. That's why they pay me dozens of dollars to Mm -hmm. be able to go out there and 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 function (laughs) these things. But nevertheless, it's it's one of those things where you once we talked, you know, he's like, Man, you know, I'm sorry I shouldn't have put you in that position. I realize it now. All was good. And he he understood that you know, I I had to put I had to put the uh, the hammer down on him for that. Was that comfortable? Was that fun? Hell no, that sucked. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, guess what? You know, I, that's what I signed up for to say, Hey, I got to take the good, the bad and the ugly and do it consistently and do it across the board. So if anything, looking back, I, I have to kind of thank him for stepping out of line because it gave me an opportunity to exercise my judgment. And fortunately I went in a good direction with it, but also prove to my shift mates that, Hey, this guy and I are extremely tight, but, I'm still going to function and treat everybody fairly and equally to your point, Ben. So, um, you know, I, th- I think that really, if you have to, you have to develop that mutual respect and there's, there's a time that you're going to fall and you can't be afraid to fall in front of your people. Cause guess what? And I'll, I, I know this, will probably get a minor FCC violation over this, but, um, you know, if, if you fuck something up today, tomorrow, the best thing that you can do is hope that you can call it experience. But if you repeat that process and don't learn from it, then you're destined just to be a, a poor leader a poor officer. But, mm-hmm. you know, to, to today's trip and fall, and, and you have to understand that you're learning too. You're learning your role. You're learning your craft. You're learning your position. And there is no magic uh, – well, there is a magic eight ball, but there's, there's none that actually you can shake it and tells you what to do or that crystal ball – that gives you all the foresight and you have to go through just like everybody else. We all, we all make the mistakes. We all make the lapses and errors in judgment. Unfortunately for us, um, our errors and judgment can result in somebody getting hurt or killed if it's, uh-huh. if it's a, a tactical one or on the fire ground. But the other ones too can result in if we don't address something uh, like the saying goes that, you know, nothing will devalue and demotivate a good employee than watching you tolerate a bad one. Oh, uh, and whether whether that's career volunteer and you know, especially you know, in the fire service, it's really a family affair to a, l- a large degree. Not only you know, genealogically family affair, but um, you know where you know, cousin in laws, brother in laws. Um, you this one used to be related to that one, but we are that second family. So mm-hmm. um, you know, it's really being able to get into having those uncomfortable and tough conversations from time to time. And then just really being okay with that. And that doesn't mean that you're going to be an ass. It just means that if Ben, if you piss me off, I have to come to you and go, Hey Ben, can we step into the kitchen for a minute? Mm-hmm. And we go in the firehouse kitchen and you know, we take the gloves off. I've had that relationship with, pe- with people who were higher ranking than myself that I was upset, pissed off, disagreed, whatever, And instead of throwing a hissy fit or, you know, being the toxic person in the firehouse kitchen for two hours over something I could have resolved in two minutes, I could go into the office of that, you know, higher ranking individual and say, you know, sir, ma'am, you know, can I have a few moments of your time and go in and ask to take the gloves off and let the hair, teeth and eyeballs fly. And then, you know, either I got my way, I was told to get out of an office, I was told to get out of an office, but I'll think about it or you know they got pissed off but then it calmed down but most of the time because we had that respectful exchange I could go back and you know I'm not going oh that damn captain that damn lieutenant the chief said you can bad mouth all day long but you know what do you think your people are going to do to you when you don't make a good decision you know Mm -hmm. show show them that path to say and I've had it before um I'll ask you a question after this but you know, I believe in 360 degree leadership. I have for a long time. Um, that's not popular. And if you have an ugly baby and you've seen it, u- not yours, Harper's beautiful. Yeah, but thanks. Um, you know, <laughs> the, the whole ugly baby concept that you've seen some homely ass babies. You go up to the mom and go, Wow, that is an ugly ass baby. No, you don't. Of course you don't. You know, but you know, it's an ugly baby.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: you have to get comfortable with saying, um, You know, someone comes to me and says, hey, look, bro, we really appreciate what you're doing. We think you're working hard. You're trying to do the right thing, but here's where you're messing up. And I respect that.
1: Mm-hmm. Is
0: it hard to hear? Yes, it's oh, hard absolutely. to hear. Yeah. Is it hard for them to say? Even more so. So you've got to give them that respect that you know they basically came up and said, dude, you got an ugly baby, but there's hope. It's going yeah. to block them. And I so, think that, um, go ahead, um, ben. <laughs> you
1: know, you mentioned that and you talked about me going from, part-time to full-time. Um, and one of the things that I, I feel like I'm lucky in that I can joke with a lot of the folks that I work with now, um, because they've known me for so long, but I was part-time for 10 or 11 years. You know, I've been in the department longer than some of our, our full-time employees. Um, and, and, you know, they're more senior to me and, you know, there's, you know, we tell stories about stuff that happened before they got there. Um, but I really try to make it a point to like, I I'm the junior man. Like they, they like when it comes time at the end of the night, like I'm taking the trash out, mopping the floor. Um, and I don't, I don't do that all the time as well as I should, but it's something that I really try to focus on because again, like they've been there longer than I have. Um, well, maybe not longer than I have, but full-time longer than I have. So they have that, they earn that, um, like I said, I know that's something that I need to work on and do better at, but it's something that I really try to focus on. Um, cause again, I'm the new guy, you know, there might be things that I've seen specific to ocean city that they weren't around to, to see come about and know the origins of it. But, um, you know, that's something that, again, you talk about 360 leadership, we share that, we talk about it and we, you know, we have that experience. Um, so that's something that, that is very like in the forefront of my mind, you know, every fourth day when I go to work. So, um, I think that's very important. The other thing I wanted to mention was you talk about, um, you know, being a family and the fire service and all that kind of stuff fool. um, you know, and it it is very family oriented. How many generations of families have multiple members in, in the fire service? You know, you look at FDNY, you could go five generations of people that are in the, in the, in the department, um, and at various ranks and positions and things that they're doing. Um, and I think that those bigger departments have the ability to spread that family out. You look at a smaller volunteer department, it might be father, son, grandfather, father, son. Um, and it's going to be, it has the potential to be that the father is the fire chief and has to bust his son for something. Well, at the end of the call, what happens when they get in the same truck and drive to the same house? you know for for my wife and i you know
0: dinners awkward
1: right yeah like we we sleep together
0: well, <laughs> you know yeah, if, um if, if never mind just okay. once it, it, well it, i think you put exhibit a down for a nap a little while ago but anyway never mind good
1: <laughs> um but as as a as a captain or an acting assistant chief on the fireground i don't ca- i don't care if it's rachel or if it's the next guy or the next girl, like if they do something wrong that could potentially hurt them and you have to stop that immediately. Like I may not be so polite when I tell them to stop, you know, or if there's something that we have to correct and she thinks she's right. And I think I'm right. Like I might be right at the firehouse. I may not be right when we get home. (laughs) So it's, it's something that you have to manage the whole thing. And, and, you know, I think we do a very good job of, like when we're at the firehouse, we're at the firehouse, and when we're home, we're home. And I, right. you know, there's we make that separation.
0: And I think that's a very fair point and a you know, very mature way to go about it. And um, you know, one of the things I look at too is the ability to have everything as kind of like a learning moment. And I, I don't mean that in uh, in a cheesy way, but what I'm saying is that you know, as as you're learning your trade, every, everything that you do is well, I shouldn't say everything, but a lot of what you're doing is a new experience because you might have experience, either technical experience, uh, actual experience or book experience doing it. But there's so many variations of that same experience that you've not had yet. And so with that, it's a really good opportunity to help educate the other folks on what you're doing. And that's not a free license to piss and moan and say, oh, I got so much to do no, but when you've been given a task or responsibility, you don't have all the answers and you've got to be okay with saying, Hey, I don't have all the answers. Again, no fairy dust on the, on the front piece that you go to those resources on your shift or within your department or even outside the department, you go to people, who, your mentors, but you might be able to go, you know, let's say we're going to do something on, um, to, you know, I've been tasked now with trying to reduce our amount of, uh, injuries on the fire ground because the risk manager is just having a, you know, a Royal shit conniption about our stats and people calling out sick. I'm not an athletic trainer. I'm not a kinesiologist, Mm -hmm. but gee, hmm, I might go as Lieutenant on a shift. Hey, Ben proby guy. Come here a minute. Mm -hmm. You've got education, background experience. I mean, so, you know, you know, you know more in your little pinky, uh, fingernail than I, you know, have any concept of in that in that respect. So being able to kind of get over yourself, essentially, and get over your title or whatever it is, yes, it's important. You, you they have elevated you to a certain function and responsibility in that department. That's your role. Accept it and get on with your day. But also, you know, be humble enough and cognizant enough to know your capabilities and limitations. Um, and be able to go to those people because then you know, you're going to create buy-in. You're going to get people say, "Oh wow, he came, he came to me." And it's it's not like a warm and fuzzy. Okay, I'm kissing Ben's ass because I hope he reelects me next year as a uh, assistant chief. But you're actually using your resources. You're showing some leadership, and you'll go a lot further with that because of the fact that you know you're letting other people carry the ball and you're entrusting them. You're um, also empowering them you're making uh-huh. them part of the department and then you also have to go on the backside of that and don't be that, uh, you know, jack wagon that goes, Oh, well, I just came up with this wonderful idea about uh, physical training and reducing injuries. No, you, you bring it along and say, uh-huh. Hey, Ben, um, I was tasked with this assignment. This is very important. You know, we want to reduce injuries, reduce sick outs and, you know, long-term uh, issues in the fire service. And I reached out to, you know, one of the talented people that we have on our shift, Ben Waples. Yay. Crowd goes wild. And then, you know, you can highlight those people because you know what you're you're letting them step in too, and that that helps them with professional development, helps them get recognized, and actually they they figure out that you're you know you might actually be halfway decent, and if something goes down, you're going to take care of them, and be honest, and that's yep. the thing. It's the honesty, the integrity, and the humility. I think that has to come into it. But those are personal traits. That's not something you can get from Fire Officer One, Fire Officer Two. Right. Um, reading an article or anything else, um, and I know, you know speaking of, of articles, it's a gosh, it's been quite a few years ago it was written, but Chase Sargent wrote a very good article and series on uh, Buddy the Boss. and it's definitely worth reading as any kind of a foundational uh, process. And you know, there's there's people constantly who refer to that, and some people actually steal from it. To, but hey, anyway, that's nothing. <laughs> um, well if, if if it's uh if you can't give it away it's not yours i guess but uh you know he did a phenomenal job of identifying those things many many years ago so um if anyone wants some interesting reading go back and look uh, i don't have the reference right now i, I wish i'd looked that up but um you know chase sergeant's article i, I want to say it was in fire engineering at one point but um and i'm i'm reading some of the comments i brother. I was trying to keep you nameless, but yeah. Okay. Timmy. Yes. You, you were the example I was making you know, when you said something on the radio that you really, really, really shouldn't have said, but anyway, love you, brother. But it was a, uh, it was a great challenge and you helped me develop. So, uh, brother Jershide, you know, thank you for being a thorn in my side one day and making making me do my job. It made me better in the long run. So anyway, we got that out of the way. So ben,
1: on that same topic of, of, you know, recruiting other people, um, Hey, so I'm trying to put the dog outside.
0: Come on, Sam. All right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some lighting on real quick because it's getting dark.
1: Um, you know, we talk about recruiting those people that you know we we might have a task within their wheelhouse. Um I'm fortunate I have the ability. you know, Rachel, Rachel being a teacher, has a bachelor's in education, um, specifically elementary ed which works out perfectly. And we understand why she can tolerate me so well. Um, and then in the process of getting a master's degree in special ed, um, yeah, so we, we go and we have our training nights and at the end of the night, you know, we get home, might have a beer, um, and we're talking about how it all went. And she's like, well, do you really want to know? I was like, yeah, I want to know. Why would I not like, why would I ask? And then yeah, thanks. That's great. Anyway. um, But in talking with her about lesson planning and instruction and delivery and, um, you know, building skills and all that kind of stuff, I think it's really helped me kind of mentally prepare and get ready for and deliver our drills and training events that we've had as volunteers. Um, Because, again, like I said, every night we come home and it's 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 like a hot wash of like, all right, give me the good, bad, the ugly. And usually we're not even out of the parking lot before i ask i think she's getting to the point where she's like all right you ready and if depending on how i thought it went it's either like give me a minute give me to the end of the driveway or um you know yeah i'm ready let me have it look at this guy
0: lieutenant <laughs> sir
1: guess guess who's back back again
0: bobby good to see you my brother how are you guys doing we're good doing man you, buddy. We're, we're doing All right, we're we're yeah, all we in just, We've just been kicking around the whole uh the whole buddy to boss thing and talking about just our you know individual and collective experiences with things. And um, Ben was just talking about how you know, getting that immediate feedback sometimes is good. And um, yeah, I, I get it from my wife as well for some things I can bounce off of her, and she'll be viscerally honest. And I think one of the one of the early things, and this is just I, I guess comes with growing and maybe maturing. Um, however long long that might take but being able to realize again your capabilities and limitations and that there's a lot expected of you and if you don't know you don't know and your job is to go and find out and reach out to those resources I see that on the screen um, you know as well because there's things that are outside of our wheelhouse and I'll give people like uh, you sing his praises yet again but people like Dougie Scott who was definitely uh, you know a mentor when you know, as as a young lieutenant and a young instructor, I assumed, and this is my you know, incorrect assumption, but I assumed that because all these people have been on the job much longer than me, that they should know a hell of a lot more to me and be better prepared and more functional. At that point, I didn't realize that not everybody has the same passion for the job. Um, for some people, it's a job. For some, it's a career. For some, it's a calling. For some, it's a way to pay their bills. Uh, it can be both, but uh, you know, I didn't really understand the differences in personality and motivation at that time or what didn't didn't happen in the history prior to me that well. So when I would lay out some expectations and they would fail to meet them and I, you know, he could tell I was frustrated and upset. And I'm thinking to myself, why in the hell can't they you know, stretch this line this way or why can't they you know, get up there and knock this fire down in the time that I think they should? And, you know, he pulled me aside and said, hey, brother look you've got to understand these people all came from different backgrounds they you know they're not as some of them aren't as hungry as you are and you gotta you got to tell them what you want you got to break it down and I in my mind I thought I was being if I did that I was being condescending oh uh, do but you know he was able to guide me in a way to say no nope, you know tell them what you want to do and they'll do it but you got to tell them and explain to them what you want and that was kind of an aha moment for me but um, and again, on another Dougie note, is, you know, Dougie's not a water guy. Dougie will tell you he's not a water guy. Dougie gets seasick in a bathtub. Um, I've seen him vomit on a Coast Guard boat going out the inlet on a calm day. So, with that being said, he's a hell of an instant commander. And when we would have a, a water rescue call, specifically like a dive rescue call, he would grab one of the dive guys or one of the dive commanders, or, or you know, me in that case. And say, you stay right beside me, you know. So he he had that confidence, he had that humility, and he had that uh, recognition of here's my capabilities, here's my limitations, but I can. He can be the best resource manager and instant commander in the world because he knew what books to pull down off the shelf and where, and how to do it. And there was no shame in his game because, you know, he didn't. Oh well, you know, I'm this, I'm that. Here's my collar brass, and I am, I'm I'm all knowing, all powerful, and all seeing. Yeah, man, he was just a, a humble guy, knew what he knew, knew what he didn't know. And if there was something he didn't know, he knew what, where to find out. And that's, that's the kind of buddy-to-boss type thing, um, that, that kind of mentoring or that kind of mentality that just went so, so far um, in, in my mind. So people, people like a Doug Scott um, are just very emblematic of that in my mind.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think having that, being able to check your ego at the door, you know when you when you're in that position is is huge. Um, one of the things that kind of making that transition, I wanted to get your input was um, when you get promoted. What are your thoughts on moving that person from like a shift to to b shift? Moving that moving that new officer to a different shift.
0: I'm very I'm very conflicted with that, and the reason being is or the reason that I'm torn is you're breaking up the family. And I know some departments do it just as a matter of practice. Every so many years, they put everybody in a Yahtzee cup, shake it up and throw them out and see where they land. Um, so everyone doesn't get too comfortable. And I understand, you know, you don't want, if you have an A, B, C and D shift, you don't want four separate fire departments running. You need consistency, but there is going to be some variation in leadership styles and the way to go about business. So, you know, you have to balance that. You have to manage that. However, that this person's support team, the, the person that, they, that they've worked, I mean, they know this, uh, this man's or woman's strengths, weaknesses, personality, good, the bad, and the ugly about them. They know. So when we talk, going back to the ugly baby scenario, they're the most likely ones to be able to, in a, in a promotional or building way, be able to say, you know, hey, brother, hey, sister. Now, now you send them to another shift and because they're pack animals over on the other shift, they're going to eat that person alive. And then what you wind up having is instead of a, and this isn't always the case, this is just an observation I've seen more often than not, but is you, you, you have, um, you, you have the jackals and the wolves that are trying to eat that person essentially and tear them down versus build them up. Whereas their own shift would have more of a kitchen table conversation, more likely to, again, not always, this isn't always Mm -hmm. the the case, but their own shift, I think has more likelihood of trying to build them up and, you know, I don't want to say smack them around, but, you know, pull them in the kitchen, give them a little bit of a wake up call. And then, you know, the respect is there where sometimes an alternate shift right off the bat, there might be a distrust like, Oh, Oh this this Jack Wang just got made lieutenant now he's going to come in and write us up for this cuz it, but it does get people out of their comfort zones but how many people like to get out of their comfort zone let's be honest right. about it. Right. Um yeah. does do the waters calm after a while and is it is it beneficial for growth for that person to go to another shift and be able to deal with those um intricacies of of going to another shift and having to handle things in a different way? Yes. There so there's pros and cons to both of it. Uh, I don't have the magic bullet to you know pound my fist on the table and say, "Thou shalt do this because this is the best practice. I think you have to read the room, understand your department, the dynamics of your department. And going back to the family affair, you got you know you might not have as many options as you'd like because now you're putting big brother in charge of little brother or little brother <laughs> in charge of big brother or husband in charge of wife or wife in charge of husband, um, you know, or you know, whatever dynamic there might be. So sometimes you have limited options, and you really have to be as consistent as you can. But it's going to be an inconsistent process if that makes sense. Just because there's oh, yeah. so many tentacles and dynamics to what's going on, and especially if you know, um, you know if there's any potential thought of impropriety or uh, someone not being treated well, you know, you might have had you know two people who wrote each other up and. You know, are you going to put put them in there and let them fight it out? Or are you going to you know look at the operations of your department? Because at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for the department and then the shifts and the, and the service we're providing. So right. um, I know I gave you a roundabout answer as clear as mud. But I think that, uh, again, you just have to read the room, see what's best.
1: Yeah, you know, I totally agree. I think there's I think there's advantages and disadvantages to both. Um, I think it depends on.
0: Now you're... now you're speaking maturely and intelligently about what I just said. Okay, go ahead. You're good. Yeah.
1: yeah, I'm just gonna repeat everything you said, but in a different manner. I
0: wasn't mature or intelligent. I just that was just a stream of no, no. consciousness. But go ahead, make it make it yeah. sound good. Put some um, bows on it.
1: Yeah, I think I think depends on the person. Um, I think it depends on their shift that they're currently on and like where they would end up going to. Um and in I think Obviously, you're you can't set the department up for failure, but you can't also set that person up for failure.
0: Right, and it, and ben, it, just real quick to interrupt you, um, to your point, uh, Jershai Tim Jershai just put up a comment. It said it's easier to do at a big department. Small departments are exceptionally <laughs> difficult because of the closeness. Mm-hmm. So, like, okay, yeah, if 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 they shift you from you know, a shift to c shift it's okay, but you're still going to interface with a lot of people um, because, you know, as a, a few hundred person department in ocean city versus a, a you know, 10,000 person department where they can ship you to another borough and mm-hmm. the likelihood of, so, I mean, I, I, I do, I think that's a, a fair point that he made, but I'm sorry. Oh, you, I, go, absolutely. Go ahead and continue.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I've always heard was, you know, if I if if Trevor you're getting promoted and you and I we all, we rode the medic unit all the time we were the backstep fireman all the time now you're the lieutenant well you know you get made and you stay on the shift and you go from riding the medic unit and riding the engine together to riding the engine and and, and then that position of responsibility you know what how do I how do I make that adjustment you know did we test together and I'm pissed that you got made and I didn't. Him, um, is it? Oh, he's that's my boy. He's going to take care of me. Or is it great for Trevor? Good for him. Now, how can we? How can we one make sure he's successful and support him and make sure that we as a shift move together forward and that you know it's we're doing the right thing. And, and I think it's the same thing if you if you end up moving shifts. You know, like you again the upper echelon, the upper leadership has to make sure that they're putting that person in a position of that they're gonna be successful and not setting them up for failure.
0: Yeah, and I I would agree with that. And you know, either way, you serve at the pleasure of that department, that chief, that whomever. And you might not see the why behind why they're putting you on another shift. It may be for a very good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be the right answer to a shift that's gone wrong somewhere else and mm-hmm. when you go in there you're like oh god what did i do to get punished with this but they're sending you in there because they know that you can build a, you built a great team on a shift and now c shift is struggling and they need some direction and, and whatever so they yank you off of a shift put you on c shift because you you've worked yourself out of a job on a shift you've done it you've yep. done such a good job of team building that they're like wow you know this guy this woman They've got their poop in a group. I'm going to send them across the floor um, you know, on another shift to do the same thing.
1: So mm-hmm. sometimes
0: you have to take a step back. And I think our world gets too close, especially as a brand new officer, because our world exists on our shift or that station. And there's a grander scheme that we're operating in that a lot of times I just don't think that we we recognize right off the bat. So right. yeah, with that being said, um, you know, I know in Ocean City for the longest time, uh, and this was part of the Yahtzee Cup experiment too. My shifts usually had the most special operations people. We had the most divers. We had the most hazmat techs. We had the most this, this, this. If other shifts were deficient in that, and we needed to maintain minimums each day to make sure that we had you know, consistent coverage across the city, it sucked when they broke the shift up. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the family, they they just broke up the band as far as we were concerned. You know, the the Beatles just went defunct uh, in our minds. But you know, the purpose behind some of it was to spread those people out to, so we had equal coverage on each ship. That's a hard concept to grasp when you live, work, and play in this little microcosm of A-shift, B-shift, C-shift, D-shift. Mm-hmm. You're not looking at the global picture. But then I think also that's incumbent upon the upper management to put the long arm on that lieutenant and say, hey, LT, um We're going to transfer you to this shift, and here's why. I know they don't owe you an explanation. I know that you work for them, although I say you work with them. But you know, if you kind of educate them, like we're trying to educate the other folks on our shift, they see a larger picture. Or hey, you know, don't take this out of context. This is why we're moving you. This isn't a punishment. Uh Oh, why are you sending me to that shift full of you pissers, whiners, complainers, and malcontents? Well maybe, maybe it is a punishment. It could be, but more often than not, (laughs) it's because you're, you're the right tool for that job. Yeah. And, um, and and that's kind of a tough concept. I think sometimes to grasp, Um, even for the most intelligent, you know, amongst our our ranks is we get so focused that we have those horse blinders on a little bit and we don't see the, um, the global part of the department. So you kind of have to start to develop a skill for, like system thinking or systems thinking, and mm-hmm. you know, again, I go back to that 360 leadership where um, one of the slides in the presentation I have is the the iconic picture of the uh, Titanic going sinking by the bow, and there's this little caption up by the stern uh, from one of the pastors saying, "Wow, I'm really glad the hole's not on our end," and that's you know, that's kind of where what we get into is like, "Ah, oh, screw those other guys." we have to realize that we're an entire system and that what happens in suppression can affect EMS. What happens in EMS can affect uh, prevention and inspection. What happens in prevention and inspection can affect training. Um, so, you know, whether it's a big or small department, career volunteer, we have to understand it's an entire system. And we now are a cog in that machinery. We're part of that system. And if something goes defunct in in our realm, it can affect something that we don't even see because it's on an opposite shift or with people we normally don't work with. And you know, to that end, um, and, and Ben, I know you probably know several people in this same uh, dynamic. I want to talk about this real quick. What about people who, you know, of course, because a lot of folks are eat up in the fire service. So they work career in one department and they're volunteer in another. So let's just say hypothetically, um, in Ocean City, I'm your I'm your boss. I'm your I'm your captain on your shift but you and I live in Salisbury. Then we, we go back to Salisbury and you're my assistant chief and I'm, I'm your guy riding backwards. So I, I know, you know, some of these you know uh, examples. So can you talk about that dynamic just for a minute? If you, uh, if you're okay with it, just to say, you know, how, yeah. how do we work that out? Because you're, you know, your boss, uh, you know, on the today, on today's shift might be, you know, you, you're their boss the, on the following day. So yeah, how's that work?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, first off, one, that's one of the things that I, I'm really struggling with right now, making the transition to to full-time career in Ocean City um, and trying to figure out how to, to make it work when I come home to be a, a volunteer in Salisbury. Um, you know, I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in now if it wasn't for Salisbury. Um, so it's, it's, it's
0: a tough... Lieutenant's back. Oh. Hey, boss. Good to see you. I look great. That's a great camera angle, sir. <laughs> your, your your lighting is impeccable, Lieutenant.
1: <laughs> um, so, just that whole dynamic to begin with uh, is is very difficult for me right now. Um, but uh, I I, th- I think the the way that you handle that, you know, is it, it you have to be the bigger person. Like you have to be. You have to be the right person, you know? Um, I'll never forget. I was working one day and, and David with, and I'm going to, I'm going to throw them right out there, David Cropper and Tommy Kane. And Tommy Kane was the Lieutenant on the engine. Uh, when I started and David Cropper was his driver, they'd worked together for, I don't even know how many years, probably at that point, longer than I'd been alive. Um, both wonderful individuals. Um, but you know, Tommy. Tommy was the boss when they were working, and David was the the volunteer fire chief when when he was off. Um, and the things that David would do, um, even at work, you know, you're like, man, did, can you really do that? And I mean, David could. Like, part of it was that he had been in Ocean City as a career and a volunteer member for. I don't even know how many years when when they were still using horses to pull the fire engines. And that's no disrespect to David. I mean, he probably knew the horse's names. Uh, <laughs> hell, he probably named them. Um, but he had the, like, he was, he had the seniority to do that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and it, is it stuff that Tommy probably should have said, David, we can't do that. But again, Tommy had the relationship with David that he didn't have to. You know, he didn't have, he, Tommy didn't have to be the boss and Tommy was one of the best supervisors I've ever worked for. Um, I think you guys would probably agree, um, to that. Um, he was a hell of a, hell of a fireman, hell of a paramedic, wonderful lieutenant, great human being. Um, I can't say enough about the guy, think the world of him. Um, so I think, I think again, it, it depends on the two people and ultimately like, don't make me be the officer when we're working. And I won't make you be the officer when we get off. You know, like and,
0: you have to handle. It. We, yeah, we talked about that having that mutual respect for people. Yes. And Bob, just kind of catch you up real quick, so I know you've had to pop in and out, <laughs> Lieutenant Sir. um We were talking <laughs> about the, the the interesting and odd dynamic, and you know, Ben, ben had brought up a you know, an old a older example when you know, we could still do do both at the same time in the same department. But if people who are just eat up with the fire service, they're they work together as career people in one department and then they're both volunteers in their home department, but their roles switch. So, you know, if, um, if, if I'm, if I'm a chief in my volunteer department, I might be a backstep guy in my career department and vice versa for you or Ben. So, you know, I'm supervising you today and tomorrow, you know, you're my boss. So, you know, some of the things about trying to keep those separate. So what, what are your thoughts, Bobby?
1: Hang on, on. Bobby, before oh, you sorry. jump, before you jump in there, um, we, got, we just got dinner home, so I'm going to jump cool. off.
0: Oh, great. Thanks, Ben. So, thank you, guys. It's always great to see you. Um, Brother, appreciate you, man. Bef- before
1: we head out, um, for everybody that's watching the Delmarva Firewire, um, if you guys follow them on social media, they're going to have a little conference. I say little. It'll probably end up being huge, knowing those guys and what they're going to try and pull off um, in March. So check their social media uh, and check that out. Uh, they have asked if we can participate. And at some point, I need to talk to Bobby and Trevor to see if we can sure. help support them in some way. Um, so check out those guys. Um, and then also, like we've done in the past with our other shows, we're going to upload this tomorrow as a podcast. So um, th- I think that's it for me. Thank you, guys. It's always good to see you, Bobby. I'll see you on Sunday. Um, you guys be good. Take care. Everybody, we say hi. And uh, I'll talk to you guys soon.
0: All right, Ben, thank, thank you so much for popping on, brother. Get some sleep. Take care of that family. See yeah. All right, brother. So, yeah, yeah, Bobby, we were, um, we were just kind of talking about that dynamic a little bit where uh, in the whole buddy-to-boss scheme, sometimes it goes even outside of being promoted within a department. It's that, um, you know, like in Ben's case, he was talking about volunteer-wise, him and his wife are in the same department, and there might be a discussion right after a training drill or a call in the parking lot on the way home. Um, so that expanded out into the conversation about where, you know, sometimes we, we wear the same hat or diff- different, hats in different departments, but those. All right, folks, you can switch. All your
2: books, Sorry.
0: Yeah, uh, so you're, you're in official capacity right now. So, so, yeah.
2: Well, I think, I think that firefighting is firefighting and um, you know, I think that, you know when we first start off in this thing brand new uh, we kind of get our our wings to us a little bit and then we want to do things we want to be officers or we want to be leaders um especially the guys that really aspire that really love what we do um and so we all at some point become a brand new um officer um we may or may not be a good leader at the time you know so we aspire to be a a lieutenant or a captain or a chief or whatever. And I don't think that's much different between the volunteer and career side. I think his aspirations are kind of the same. I think the skills and the skill sets are essentially all the same. So I guess what we're saying is what is is the difference? And and I think the difference is is that um, the volunteer fire departments I've been involved in all involve voting at some level uh, each year for whoever's going to be like the fire chief. Um, so a lot of what happens in those organizations that I've got involved in is that they, um, um, they, they're held to an accountable standard by their own people that work for them to some level. Um, when you work for a municipal department, uh, it, that flip-flops a little bit. Um, so then you can aspire for exactly the same position, and up in the same place. But the fire chief is actually hired by a municipality. Um, and so he doesn't have to worry about his members voting now. He doesn't have to worry about unions and things like that and contracts and so on and so forth. But, um, you know, I think in, in, in what you're talking about, like shifting back and forth is, I think both you and I love fire more than we love organizations. Um, I think we like fighting fire more than organizations. I think so. We always try to navigate through these organizations. And I think we all try to play the politics of each or, you know, make things kind of go in our way, what we think should be the right way in, in both of those things. But they, you know, end up in different places. And if you're blessed enough to be doing it as long as us, you get to have a lot of experiences as being a chief officer or being a chief of the department or, or uh, whatever it may be. And then you can actually find out where you're happy at. And I actually found out I'm much happier at a lower level um, than I was at a higher level. Just just for me, I really love being part of a team. And it's not that the fire chief isn't part of a team. He is part of a team, but it's more removed. I, I remember when I first got into a command vehicle and started going to calls, the first thing I noticed was you're not really part of that initial team. You know, so there's a there's a first two engines showing up and then you show up and you're kind of like the third wheel, you know, and there's, there's jobs to do. And it's all very important stuff to do. But I personally like to be part of, hey, you know, you're going to take care of running the line to the front door. I'll do the 360, you know, blah, 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 and kind of setting things up and having that set up. So um, I think if you're blessed enough, I think everyone should try all these different positions. I think they should try to move up. I think people should aspire for that. And then find out where you're happy in the fire service. Um, some people are just, we've seen, Trevor, you and I have met people who have been the most amazing fire chiefs yeah. ever. Um, and that they, they're really good at it and they do a wonderful job, and every fire department they touch is better for it. Um, and we've met captains and mid level officers and things like that, battalion chiefs, you know. Um, I don't think that Ray McCormick retired unhappy, they only made it to lieutenant. I don't think that Mike Dugan retired thinking oh man i only made it to captain i think mm-hmm. those guys were so happy where they were and, and what their world was that they were okay with it uh, it doesn't mean you don't have a great respect for john sulkas of the world you know what i mean and it just was different jobs in the fire department so mm-hmm. i guess to try to to sum it up i think that you know each one of us is just part of a, a, a small part of a big team and and so when you're talking about your buddy to boss stuff you know you're each part of a big team are you going to be a, are you going to be a good supervised individual in other words are you not going to disrupt your officer every single day of the week and try to push the envelope every single day of the week are you going to be a good supervisor be honest with your people you know kind of lay out where where you would you know where you would like them to go or are you going to mislead them you know and not on not always intentionally but it happens so I, my, my gut feeling is there's not a lot of difference between the volunteer and career side for that, but I think there's a lot of difference in, in what, you know, when you're paying your mortgage with your pay, it makes a difference. I think it does. Um, When you're sacrificing your time away from your family for free, I think it makes a difference. I think those are all valid reasons to have different thought processes for what you're trying to push through or how hard you push through or, how hard you push back, I guess. So, is that, I don't know if that answers your question or not. No, it's it,
0: it, yeah. it, no, Bobby, it really does. And you know, I, I think the biggest thing, like we had talked about throughout this um, podcast, is staying mission focused and focusing on why we're there and what we're doing, regardless of whether it's career volunteer. I'm your boss today, you're my boss tomorrow. All that's kind of immaterial. And going back to your concept of team, and we we love being part of that that smaller team, that engine company, that truck company, that heavy rescue, whatever it is. Uh, Cause we, we know what our job and our position is and we play that position. And what we talked about a little bit earlier too, is you know, when you get promoted to Lieutenant captain, whatever, you're playing a different position on that team. Um, now you can play some of the other positions you've done that hopefully, or, you know, throughout your career that you haven't you know flown under the radar and all of a sudden got promoted uh, out of credentialing. But the, the whole process is, you know, if if i'm playing a, if if i'm on a a soccer team and all of a sudden you know i'm i'm going from offense to defense or a football team same thing i've got to learn that position yeah i'm a football player just like i'm a firefighter but i've got to learn that position and guess what you know when when i get knocked down my team has to help me get back up and say hey if you don't want to get knocked down like that again here's you know here's some sage advice and be able to have that humility to take it um, and also just be able to understand here's the roles and responsibilities, of position you're playing now might not be the most fun. There's going to be some good days, bad days in between days. But I think if we really kind of look at it from that concept and we want people to succeed in those roles, not to say we're not going to have rough times or always agree, but just understand that the mission at the end is the overall goal. And I'll give you a prime example. I mean, you know, you and I have been friends for a long time. I've got a great deal of respect for you. Um, you know, we've been able to hold many, many positions uh, in the fire service. Been very blessed to do that. And, uh, you know, so I think in, in my case, some of them I think I've done fairly well. Others I've you know probably not done well at all, but learned from them. But nevertheless, uh, you know, we, we've always stayed mission focused. And, uh, you know, I always love being able to agree with you but I also love being able to disagree with you. And at the same, at the end of the day, we have most time, if we disagree, we say, you know, we're just kind of a people divided by a common language. Um, Or we have two different ways to go about something, but we respect the background of how we arrived at that opinion, but we're, we're trying to make it mission successful. Um, Well, here's a good example. Uh, You know, you, you and I differ a little bit on uh, when we were talking about building construction, you know, you're talking about type one, two, three, four. And I would, you know, I would call out, uh, you know, masonry wood frame, masonry clad frame, whatever. at the end of the day, we just want to know what the damn thing's made out of. So we know how it's going to react under fire conditions. That's our common ground. So instead of that, all oh, that damn Lieutenant McGee, you know, he's just such a hard, no, the guy's pretty freaking smart. And if that's the way he processes this and he can regurgitate it to me and I can understand it, guess what? We're doing good. And um, so I think that we need to look at that to um, and Ben had asked the question earlier, which I thought was great about you know, Is it good to, when someone gets promoted to remove them from the shift they've been working on and transplant them somewhere else or leave them be. And you know, we talked about the pros and cons of that, but, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that, Bobby, in the last couple of minutes that we have? Uh, I, I think,
2: I don't know what to think about that. I think it's just tough if you're already hanging out with people um and and you're their coworkers, and then all of a sudden you're kind of their boss however you know in you're in eyes world um and i recommend this to anybody that's watching that wants to really wants to promote up or move up is i really really think that you need to be an instructor first i think that you try to need to try to be a proficient firefighter um, and then i think you need to try to be a proficient instructor because as Trevor, you know, well, know we really break things down, you know, like, it's one thing to know how to tie a bowline, it's another thing to get 10 people to be able to tie a bowline successfully, you know, and, and what what you have to do as an instructor is you have to break down exactly how you hold the line, you know, what do you call the tying in, what do you call the standing in, all that kind of stuff, you know, you, you have to break it down and then make 10 people understand what you're talking about. And... So the more you instruct, the more you understand that. So now when you move up, I don't think it's as critical to move people around. Because hopefully, the reason that you're moving up is because you understand or craft that much better. And the only way the final phase of teaching, trust me, is te- it, it, the final phase of learning is teaching, because it, it, it makes you break things down to a whole nother level for other people to understand. Um, so the the thought about having to move people around because they're friends with people and things like that. Um, You know, I I don't know. I I see a validity in it. I I, I do see that where if we're hanging out and having dinner every night and all of a sudden a Lieutenant, it's a whole lot easier to move me to another shift or another station or whatever to, to, to be a brand new Lieutenant there. Um, Because if nothing else, you're not going to get an easy first day. (laughs) You're sitting next to, you know? And, and so, I mean, I think it could be good, the other side of it is and i you know i don't know that much about you know new york except for talking to the guys that work up there but i know that they said that there's some some uh, some amount of respect given to all their brand new lieutenants up there uh, simply because of what they went through to become lieutenants up there sure. you know, their their testing process and you know, things like that so however new york city moves them around they do float for a period of time at different stations i believe right Yeah, you know, like they
0: settle in you know, like Jamo, for example, um, he told me when, when he got made a few years ago, he said he's going to be homeless for a year and a half um, because they, they want them to kind of get that trial by fire. And that's another perspective on it as well. Now, granted, they're a large department, but is, you know, they do have the, the street cred, so to speak, of going through a rigorous process. And people do respect that. But at the same time, they have them floating around so they, they don't get in their comfort zone. They they go to one house, they might get eaten alive, they go to another house, they might have a great reception, but either way they know how to handle that variance in their day, which probably makes them a better officer. Um so it, I mean, what we talked about before, there are definitely pros and cons, um, you know, to to both mentalities and depending on the size of the department and some of the other um tentacles that go with it, like, you know, any of the uh, nepotism issues with, you know, brothers, sisters, uh, father, sons, anything that you have to kind of make sure you move your chess pieces around where they're the most appropriate for your department too. Um, and I think, I don't think you were on quite yet, Bobby, but we talked about, you know, if they do move you, it's not necessarily a, a punishment. It might be because you did a great job of team building on your shift before, or, you know, they, or they need your a specific skill set or personality on another shift. Uh, for the the greater good of the department uh, or the operations of something. And um, you know, no one ever likes to get outside of their their norm or their comfort zone, but sometimes it's done for a purpose. And I just think from a management standpoint, we may be better served to explain the why behind it. Not, again, uh, sometimes the uh, administration gets a little snarky about that. Well, you know, we don't have to explain ourselves. We, you know, we're the management. We, Yeah, but sometimes when you tell people the why behind something, it makes a hell of a lot of sense to them. They can buy into it and actually uh, embrace that job that you've given them versus fret about it and say, oh, yeah, I must be being punished. I'm not worried about people's uh, insecurities on that end, but what I'm saying is there might be a very, very legitimate reason why you've drawn in your mind, what is the short straw assignment. It might be for the greater good of the department um, from time to time, or sometimes they might just be getting back at you for something you said two years ago. You never know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, I look at, I think what, what we need to also discuss a little bit before we get finished up here is, you know, when you become a, uh, an officer in a fire department, um, you know, being an officer is probably three different things. That, to me it is, not to everybody, but to me it is. You know, one thing is, is people got to be able to know that you can do the job. I think, I think in the fire service, that's really a big litmus test for even new supervisors is that, hey, this guy can do the job. Don't know if he's a good supervisor yet or not, but, but he can kind of do the job, you know. Um, and I think, you know, the second thing is, is being a good example. I think that not only can you do the job, but, you know, if it's important that, to you that your guys show up, 30 minutes before shift then you should probably show up 30 minutes before shift you know so I think you know the second thing I think is is kind of you know you just need to, to, to be the example you need to be the one that's willing to be the first one to go out and start checking the rigs or the you know the, the first one to get up oh the, the floor looks dirty we're gonna clean it um, the first one to grab the brush or to grab the broom or whatever it may be you know and I think that that's um, you know I think that's critically important. But all of that is not really the hard part. The hard part is being a officer, being a manager is really about difficult conversations. And, and it really is about something's not going exactly the way you want to go. You really like the person that's working for you, but they're doing something you don't necessarily agree with. How do you have that difficult conversation that I don't agree with what you're doing? Uh, things like that. Um, And that was the hardest thing for me to learn for years and years and years. I tried to avoid those difficult conversations. And I bet you can speak to this too, Trevor, that when you avoid the difficult conversations, the problems get worse. They never get better on their own. If you don't have the difficult conversations, they're going to get worse. And the longer you wait, the more, the more difficult that conversation is kind of going to be. So you lay the groundwork with being a, them buying in that you can do the job then you lay the groundwork for being a good example but the biggest thing is when i didn't say things to people i was actually in their world being dishonest you know i wasn't telling them the truth it was a difficult conversation i didn't want to have so i said you know what i'll I'll wait till next shift maybe it'll get better and i come back and i come back and i come back and, and by the time i say something it's almost like well, my wife don't watch the show, so I can say this. It's almost like when my wife gets that whole laundry list. You didn't do this, 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 this. Hey, Kathy, how you Whatever. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Well, what 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 you know? What does a firefighter think about that? Why didn't you tell me last week it pissed you off? You know what I mean? And they see it as, a, and it truly is, I've done it. It's a form of dishonesty. Sometimes dishonesty can be not saying something. So the difficult conversations are the, the most hard part about this job um they really are and uh but if you learn to do them well you'll be so much happier at the end because people know where you stand and all of us like to know where we stand and and, and everything and that's the difficult conversations land us where we stand because if you always say they're doing a great job great job get a great evaluation you're doing fantastic fantastic and one day i blow up on them like where'd that come from So
0: Right. That's it's just built. something
2: I wanted to bring up about, you know, when you go from a, a buddy to a boss, it just adds that level of you have to be able to have difficult conversations.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree with you, Bobby, and I'm, I'm glad you circled back to that because we discussed that a little bit earlier um, about having the difficult conversations. And, and basically we, we we use the um, ugly baby euphemism again about telling somebody, hey, man, yeah, you got an ugly baby. But it is true because you know, the longer you put it off, um, the worse it gets. Other people see how you react to it or how you fail to react to it, and that demotivates them. So that one employee who had a bad day um, or volunteer or person on your crew, your shift, whatever the case is, if, if you fail to address it, then you, you have failed. And I, I do agree with you. I, I like the way you frame it as far as um, saying it is being dishonest. And you know, I don't think most people intend that. It's just that it's avoidance and that avoidance is a form of dishonesty because it, it festers and it becomes really kind of a cancerous thing. Um, we're like, well, I guess, I, you know, such and such you know, can do this and nothing ever is going to happen to them. And you're know, not saying you have to rule with an iron fist, but you know, if, if you rule with consistency, um, I don't even like the term rule, but you know, if, if you lead with consistency um, and talk to people, and even at that, you know, when, when you have conversations and this, I think this is the other thing as well. I wouldn't be very quick. Because a lot of times we want to justify our actions. We want people to agree with us. Um, That's kind of human nature, I I think, in a a lot of ways. And I know one of the experiences I had, I'll try to wrap this up fairly quickly because we're uh, past the hour mark at this point, but is where somebody would do something and I would pull them aside. The shift knew I pulled them aside, but they didn't know the content of the conversation. And as far as I was concerned, that was between me and the offending individual if you will or you know whatever the problem was and then i would come back and get you know hammered by some of the other people on the shift to say well what'd you say what what happened what would you do that's you know and of course you don't want to say oh it's a personnel issue but you, you do you say well that's you know it was handled and you hope that they have the faith and confidence in you that you not only that you handled it appropriately but judiciously and fairly but you know, you can't go back and go, yeah, well, you know, I I put the I wrote them up and they're gonna do this. I suspended them for three days. You know, don't sit there and toot your own horn either. Have the respect because for whatever reason that person went out of bounds. And you know, I've told some, some you know, look, you're a phenomenal employee the last 364 days. Something happened today where that wasn't the case. So don't screw up an entire you know, career or good reputation over some bad judgment or whatever you got going on, you know, home financial, whatever the case is. Um, so, you know, I think being honest with them, uh, letting them know that they didn't meet the standard. And, uh, you know, we talked about that a little bit before, but as soon as possible, address it. Um, you know, if, if it has to be on a scene, if, if appropriate, take them aside and it on the scene. If it needs to be at the kitchen of the firehouse because you know how it works. Oh, uh, you know, I'll just address this when we get back and get cleaned up. Well, then, they'll run six or seven more calls. Well, now it's the end of the shift. Now you're having to review reports and do your, um, you know, your daily shift report and I'll, well, damn it, I, you know, I can't hold them over on overtime or I'm not, you know, they got to go home uh, to take care of whatever uh, if it's on the volunteer end and then you just, you let it go. And that's not the good thing to do either. Because again, it, it I think it festers and not only in their mind or more in your mind, probably, but it also festers with the other people. Cause they, they observe they they see how you react to things so um you know to your point bobby i think that you know, you, you need to be fair and you need to be honest um you're know, with yourself as well and even if it's something that for whatever reason that you can't address right away which you know occasionally that may happen you know you need at least need to say something to to the effect of hey look before we start the next shift we're gonna we got to talk about this or what you know but at least address it in some way, shape or form um, because it makes them more mission focused. I think that you establish that mutual respect between um, the both of you that they understand the position that you have to play um, and also that they can help you be successful and your success as a company level officer is their success. And if they know that you're going to elevate them, back them up when, uh, you know, when they need to be backed up and, uh, you know, you're going to make things okay for them as long as you know, they do what's expected. Um, I think it just makes it a better org- organizationally in the long run. So, um, with that, Bobby, I want to give you the little final thing and then we'll wrap this up.
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree, Trevor. I think if you, if you develop a groundwork in yourself as a firefighter, um, to, be introspective in other words after you do a fire be honest with yourself about what went well what didn't go well you know i dropped the hand line i I didn't do that right what can i do to make that better uh if you just carry that on and then as you become an officer you do the same thing as you interact with people just think honestly to yourself after you get done what did i do well what did i do wrong and try to be better that next time you have to have that difficult conversation i think we're all always growing and we're always going um my final my parting thought is um You know, the fire service, the the medical industry taking a beating. We've had a crazy couple of years around here um, to to make the biggest understatement in the world. Uh, And for me, you know, doing this for a living for almost 32 years, um, I just want to tell everybody that this job is still very much worth it. Uh, Things are definitely going to get better for all of us. Um, People are hiring, places are hiring all over the place. If you want to make that jump, um, this is the time to do it. Uh, this is not going to be like this forever. And, you know, the fire service, the, your citizens need you. Uh, the fire service needs everybody to, to kind of to do, to do our thing, man. So if you if you've been looking at it, thinking about, you know, going to a full time career job or if you've been thinking about going to being a volunteer in a bigger firehouse or whatever, go do it. Um, this jo- this job is worth it. I don't regret a single day of doing this for a living. Um, I don't regret my EMS side. I don't regret my fire side, none of it. And um, I think that in this time, the opportunities for you to get your foot in the door are as best as they can ever be. Lots of people retiring. So you guys can move up in positions of authority. Uh, This is the best time to do that too. Um, This too shall pass. So join the fire service, move up, move in, uh, be part of this because I'm telling you it's, it's And Trevor, you can say whatever you think, but I, It's been totally worth it to me Um, and I'll never, you know, I'll always remember all these times and and, and, and things like that. And, and, and COVID, all this stuff has not changed it for me at all. I I still love what we do. So everyone needs to kind of settle down a little bit and come back. This is a great place to work.
0: And Bobby, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, You know, I've got 34 years in this industry now, which is still hard for me to believe that I, I can even say that. And, I've, I've loved it from the first day and even through you know today the past week not that we've had the greatest days sometimes um you know this past week for me quite honestly it's like you know you get you get knocked down and then you get up you get knocked down again you get up you get knocked down again and but then you you take that step back and go wow you know the reason i'm getting the reason i'm getting knocked down is because i'm doing things um you know if uh you can't make wine unless you squeeze a grape. You can't make a diamond unless you squeeze some coal. So when, when you're under pressure, um, you know, you're, in a, you're in a place of great transformation. If you, if you look at it, you know, what what's it going to become? What's that pressure going to become? And um, you know, but just tonight, this is like a little miniature FDIC for me where I get to see you know, my brother, Bobby, my brother, Ben, see all the people on the screen that are chiming in. Um, and it just, it, it brings you right back. And it was so ironic. I'll tell you this quick story. Um, you know, not having the greatest week at work, you know, a lot of political, well, I can't say it kind of horseshit. Okay. Well, anyway, there's a lot of political stuff going on, um, you know, at, at work and it's just, you know, one thing after another, after another, after another, um, getting, you know, kind of downtrodden and frustrated. And then, um, yeah, you know, I found out that we have this m- massive amount of acquired structures coming up. This big development that's going to go on with five buildings uh, next door to each other. Kind of excited about that, you know. The the training geek and everything else. And um, I invited some other departments to come over and look at the buildings because there's more structure than we could possibly use. And we'll demolish it, do every bit of destructive training we possibly can. I don't want to squander any of it. And um, my wife, she's training for a a half marathon coming up and she had run uh, 12 miles and ended up in the town that I work in. So I so that'd be good because what I'll do is, you know, by the time you get there, I got to meet with this captain from a, a neighboring department about this training, come on down and, um, you know, come down to the, the site where we're going to be. And uh, when we get done, we'll have lunch and that'll be the end of my day. I'll you know, take off early. And you know, she knows, you know, the week that I've kind of had. Uh, and then she goes, man, she said, you were a completely different person when you were talking to that captain from, you know, X department. I said, what do you mean? She goes, just you know, your your energy, your happiness, this because you're talking training and this. I was like, and it it, it dawned on me, it's like, yeah, you know, that other stuff didn't really make a freaking difference at all. This is the stuff that's that's cool. So, you know, you, you look at it. Um, the biggest advice I could possibly give is to you know reach out to your brothers and sisters in the industry. You know, when I when, when I need to kind of reset myself a little bit, I'll reach out to people like a, a Bobby McGee or a Ben Waples or a Dougie Scott or a Del Baker you know all these different people. Um, you know, Tim Jershide has been a you know, great friend of mine for a long time. You know, we can you know, talk back and forth. But get yourself a mentor also if you're looking to maybe promote. And I agree wholeheartedly with Bobby. I mean, the instructional thing is a great, great, great personal development thing um, to do because you you learn through teaching, and you also learn how to handle different situations. I think it's a great template for becoming an officer. Um, couldn't agree more. But get yourself that mentor that you can reach out to because when you're not quite sure. Nobody has all the answers, but the more we network, the more we talk to each other, um, the better we become. And we can we can pick those best practices from people. And that's why I send um, why well, I started sending them prior to COVID. Now I'm getting ready to redo it. But um, I was sending my uh, shift commanders down to uh, West Palm Beach. They're uh, older, very established department. They're the oldest um, department in South Florida. Very traditional. Kind of They're very similar to how we operate in Ocean City, Bobby, quite honestly. Um, So they're very familiar to me. And I've got a lot of great colleagues uh, in there. And I would send my folks down on professional development um, on overtime to say, "Okay, I want you to ride with this captain or lieutenant a shift of suppression. I want you to ride with this captain or lieutenant or B.C., a shift of EMS and get the best practices, see the things you don't like, but be able to bring these things back. And now it's like, you know, they don't have to come to me. They can talk to their mentor because these people have stepped up and said, yeah, we'd love to have your folks here to do that. So even if it's not your own department, look at people in our industry. So um, with that being said, because I don't want to rattle on too much longer, we really appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, Bobby and I know Ben had to hop off, but thank you guys for making the sacrifice. Um, Again, Ben coming off of a 36 and you starting one. And nobody wanted to sit here and listen to me talk for an hour and 14 minutes. So thank God you guys came on and, uh, you know, save the people who are listening. Um, <laughs> what about all that? So um, we we have Thursday Thursday 34 coming up. Uh, we do have some great guests in store, and uh, we're not going to quite put them out to you yet just because we haven't confirmed the exact dates they're going to be on. But I think you'll be pleased. Um, and we actually mentioned some of them a little earlier tonight. But, uh, you know, please tune in. If there's anything that we can do to uh, to help out, if we don't have the answers, which I think a lot of times we don't, but we know the people who do, um, you know, we can certainly put you in touch with them. Uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, I'm not quite as technologically savvy as Ben, so I'm not gonna scroll the contact information at the bottom of the screen because um, it'll it'll probably be something completely different and wrong. But um, yeah, we are on, uh, our website is uh, training.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, um, I'm saying words I don't even understand right now, Bobby, because, you know, (laughs) what's that instant tweet or whatever that stuff is you you kids are on now? What's that got to do with a dial up phone? Hey, 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 easy. Be nice. (laughs) All right, folks. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, You love all of you. Be safe. And, uh, you know, like we say all the time, train as if your life depends on it, because it does. I'll take care. Cheers. Cheers.